those teeth are not perfect. You always like it when I play the air drums to the intro, don't you, John? I do. <laughs> it always gets a, a little bit of a smirk out of you. <laughs> I don't know. Just I don't know, air drums, air guitar. It's such an old man thing to do. It is, yeah. It's uh gives you the feeling that or maybe there maybe a, a call back to the old days where you didn't have much of a care in the world and you just would like do some air guitar, some air drums, whatever, while sitting at home playing some tunes. I wish I was always worried about what people thought of me. So, oh, I'm well, talking about in private. Even in private, no, no. I was worried. I was a bit judging myself. I think <laughs> I was a very insecure child. Yeah, maybe I'm still insecure. Well, what has been going on, John? No, not much. We have uh, we have Dreamforce and a. A few weeks. I made the mistake of not getting my flight in time, so that was really expensive. Oh, I bet. I've never had that problem before. Like I, I got it about three weeks out, and it was already like, like a thousand bucks. It's normally that's because the airline industry itself is just messed a, up. Yeah, it is. It's really bad. Um, we have a new. It's just a tough time to be traveling and doing these type of events. You've got. Messed up airline travel. You've got messed up, um, well, not messed up, but shortages of places to stay. It was already scarce to begin with, and then you've got places that are shutting down or uh, available anymore. Yep. You've got the state of San Francisco in general. It's just mm. – find a grocery store and find some bread and bologna just in case you can't get food anywhere. <laughs> some bread and bologna. <laughs> I know it sounds like doomsday apocalypse, but I just have not been hearing good things about San Francisco. And I hope I'm wrong because I really want people to be able no. to go and enjoy the, the conference and things and have a beer and, you know, do a little GDS get together. But I'm, I'm nervous. But I think yeah. I said that last year, too. Yeah, I feel like we always are a little bit. But yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. We have a new uh, – we have a release. What is it? Winter 24, I guess. They always do it a year ahead, right? It's yeah, it just aligns with their fiscal fiscal years, I think. Um, what else? Hey, there was a. Uh, I think I think we might have been slacking about this, but I thought it was interesting. This the promise of the as on the, the new stack, um, but the promises of or sorry, broken promises of low code. Mm. Did you read this? I didn't read it. The headline made sense, so I didn't read it. <laughs> Yeah, um, I wish I would have made some highlights on this. Yeah, it yeah. was on my list to read in general, but here's I mean, my here's my favorite the the, the, the like the money quote here though. Mm-hmm. The low code solutions present a fundamental misunderstanding of software development. They conflate the challenge of understanding a programming language's syntax with the challenges of devi- of designing effective application logic. Assuming you're building it. Building entire applications out of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I guess another way to say it is like the syntax of a language is is not really the hard part. Mm-mm. But that's what low-code is solving. It just solves you not having to deal with a, a textual language syntax. Correct. And the thing is, that wasn't the hard part. Yeah. And the load-code approaches, they don't even address the, the hard part. In fact, they make the hard part worse. Make Keeping things clean, keeping things dry. Like all these things, they they make them keep things testable, keeping things 
version controllable and deployable and bisectable and all the things that you need. Sure. It makes all those way worse. But hey, you don't have to type an angle bracket, so you're good to go. <laughs> well, even some languages, you don't have to type an angle bracket. That's true. Now, I'm kind of jealous of that. I do not like angle brackets. They are, they are a very uh, – they're sharp. I don't like them, John. They're sharp. I like them. They look like they would poke your eyeball or something. I like them. You know, type too many of those and you start getting uh, – you know what I've started getting? Because I've, I've discovered fishing. I've started doing fishing. <laughs> it's bass thumb. I get – and maybe Scott Wells can – because we've been chatting about fishing. But how do I do, – do you just develop – a callus on your on your thumb you yeah. know like so when you you know you hold it by the lower jaw to mm-hmm. take the hook out and then take your photo and everything right mm-hmm. but you know if they shake a little bit i mean they're the teeth they have are it's like really sharp sandpaper mm-hmm. and so it just tears up your thumb yeah so that's what i imagine angle brackets would teeth. if you tap too many angle brackets you know gets <laughs> <laughs> angle bracket thumb i'm a fan of angle brackets i'm, I'm not a i'm not a fan of losing those semantics in theory, I like the idea of it because it seems like it's quicker. It's one less thing to type. You don't have to hit shift or control or whatever to, to get your special characters. But reading it, it's just – did you intend to – especially when the the definition of scope or a block or something is defined by indentation, I just don't like that. It's too unclear, at least for readability. After the fact, like when you're writing it, it's tr- sure it now, probably about, makes wait, sense. Are you talking about angle brackets or curly brackets? Curly brackets. Okay. Because there's languages that don't, you don't have to do curly brackets either. You, right. The, the semantic is an indentation sure. and all that oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's just really unclear. I, I'm in a code base right now where I see if statements that don't have curly brackets, where it's just if, and then the next line is assumed to be the only line in that if structure. And it just, it's just so prone to me to be misread or misunderstood. Maybe. Uh, I feel like arguing about that, you know, like semantic white space mm-hmm. is is like ang- arguing about tabs versus spaces. Of course, we all know tabs spaces are superior. There's no question about that. Um, but and it's GIF, not GIF. Let's clear that up. There's no question about that. But uh, but uh, I, I feel like yeah, semantic white space is, is a similar thing. Uh, one of the arguments for semantic white space is like, well, all you guys that do angle brackets, guys and gals. And non-binary pals, borrowed that from Kenji, um, <clears throat> you end up indenting your stuff semantically anyway because mm-hmm. you like properly indented code. Yeah. So why not just get rid of the angle bracket or the curly brackets? No. <laughs> You're already indenting it semantically. No. It needs <laughs> yeah. to be clear. So they're per- they're purely redundant at that point. They're not. They're clarity. No, they're not. Because you already are indenting semantically and, and with for blocks. Your blocks are. I promise you, all your code that you that John writes, because some not all not all developers probably fall into this bracket. Bracket. Wow, everything's brackets now. Mm-hmm. Category. Um, I promise you, all your code is exactly indented with block for the block scope for its scope. Yes, and I I spam the so formatter could, to do it. You spam the formatter. Yeah, there's a you can do command uh, option command L. L right, yeah. Oh, yeah. just, format, just about right? every every time I tap a type a line, I'm spamming it. Even though I typed it correctly, oh, okay. I spam it for some reason. Yeah, I had to get out of that practice though, because uh, I'm now I'm in a code that in a code base where I'm not the sole developer, and yeah. I can't do that because if I do that, that's then a my whole, that's a whole topic in and of itself, John. My, what is? I'm just going from like I was I was the only developer to now I'm on a team and all that stuff. Anyway, oh yeah, it's just a big topic. Put that in your back pocket. We'll come back to that. <laughs>
Well, continue on that statement. I can't do that because if I do that, then my my diff on my next commit is just ginormous because it's it's factoring in all the spacing and everything changes that my formatter made. So I can't really do that. I try to unless I'm improving it for quality, meaning I'm intently in, intently going into the code and saying, okay, I'm writing code and I'm going to leave this in a better place than I found it. Then I'm okay with that. But on average, when I'm making small changes, I try not to, especially when we're go 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 mode. But um. No, I've I've seen it where, you know, not every developer cares about indentation. They'll write everything on a single line. They'll do ifs without, you know, curly brackets and things like that. And, you know, it works. But I think from the long term, going back and reading it maintenance perspective, it's a bit difficult to read. What, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sounds a little bit. What's difficult to read? The fact they're they are not indenting correctly or what? Yeah, not every developer cares about indentation. Not every developer cares about, you know, okay. curly brackets or not. They just write code. It Okay, so another, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really just playing devil's advocate here because I, I grew up on curly brackets, mm-hmm. curly braces, or brackets. Curly braces. The, those are the same thing, right? Curly braces, curly brackets. Well, I think brackets. Well, yeah, I guess they would okay. be right. But um, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, what was I going to say though? I don't know. So the, you know, the editor does it for you automatically. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, well, not everyone's using the same editor. Well, Some people true. are using. Yeah, yeah. Some people are actually using the Salesforce built-in console. No, no. Some people that, are using well, Visual I, I don't Studio know what you're Code because that doesn't exist. John. Some people are using Visual Studio Code, and Visual Studio Code doesn't really have that great of a formatter. I I've been disagree. Tr- I don't know. I've been trying my best to do to learn Visual Studio Code because that's what everyone's using. I thought, okay, let me try make a concerted effort to use Visual Studio Code. Okay. And there are things I like about it, absolutely, but there are a lot of things that I just really miss from IntelliJ that I just oh yeah. Just even just the way the projects are managed and uh, logging, like just having quick access to the logs that I have in in Illuminate Cloud that I don't have in Visual Studio Code. You basically have to download it and then import it, and then run the analyzer on top of that so you can get your tree and all the the kind of uh, milestone points or whatever you want to call them in the log. Yeah, it's just there's there's a lot there's less productivity in my oh, opinion. I know what I was going to say since I just remembered it. Um, so so number one. You should be indenting your code uh, to, to correspond cor- with the blocks in the first place. But if you're not, um, most teams uh, that have, you know, I guess big enough or the you know the right resources or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't mean people, by the way. I mean just like the right stuff in place. Um, they have a fort uh, when they when you check when you commit when you push up a commit like it's going to check. All the all the stuff's going to run, you know, your Maven build or whatever it is going to run, you know. And I don't, I don't know if this is a PMD thing or whatever. But there's a, all kinds of different things, source formatters and validators mm-hmm. or whatever. But that check to make sure that it is. And if it's not, then it it the build fails. So it's going to get fixed anyway. Yeah, we have so established again, that. Yet. Again, if you have this whole ecosystem of everything from habits to to, uh, to IDs and editors to your build tools, all mm-hmm. making sure that you are indented correctly. Why do we need the curly? Why do we still need the curly brackets? Because some of us aren't there yet. We haven't established uh, now. Are you coding conventions or anything like that? We, you know, this project was going a hundred miles an hour to get things out the door so that it can be used. And you know, I think early next year we'll have a we'll have a chance to really refocus on resolving technical debt and improving the process in general. Moving away from like feature branching into trunk, um, going into continuous integration and feature flag enablement and things like that is what we're hoping to get to next year. Yeah. Okay. 
Are you? Do you live in the YAML? Are you doing YAML all the time? Do you have stuff you have to do YAML for? Yeah. Well, we have separate teams that do all our most of our web service integrations and things like that. So it's it's kind of weird how they've engineered the uh, integrations in this system. You know, before my time is um, they're actually using platform events to do most of that interaction. And they're the we have web services on the other side that consume those. And then act on those. So essentially, we're just creating a platform event on the Salesforce side, and then we have a, a listener on the web services team that will act on that. So there's not a direct like API call in a lot of cases to an external system. We just have these kind of homegrown services that are built to listen to those messages and then distribute them as needed. Um, that reminds me. Actually, I didn't. We reset all of our levels, and I didn't recheck the noise gate. I wonder if I'm am I. Yeah, let's go down some. There we go. Um, for your platform events, mm-hmm. will you do me a favor? Just if you think about it, and ask the, if you don't already know, ask ask those folks if are they using the streaming API or have they switched to PubSub API for receiving those events? Oh, that's a good question. I should ask that. I don't know the answer yet, just yet. Just back to the noise guy for a second. You were talking about you were hearing some bleeding earlier. You were hearing your voice on my. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if it was me coming over to your mic or if because my mic was on but turned away from me yeah okay i don't think i'm coming through yours so anyway okay. i think it sounds okay i mean it sounds okay in my ears right now yeah anyway um man we're we're we got into the conversation Good Lord, what were you even talking about i have no idea well we dug that hole deep we did how does anyone ever listen to this podcast i don't think anyone does <laughs> I think people just forget to unsubscribe from their pod. We're, we're the podcasting app pa- podcast. We are. Yeah. <laughs> I have a few of those where I, it's it's I'm not, I'm kind of listening but not listening, and it can't be. It, can't, it has to be certain subject matters, like certain lightweight topics that I know I can hop in and out of. You know, listening wise. Um, if it's something like I tried to do some some technical audiobooks and stuff recently, and I was like, no, I'm missing too much. I can't do this. Yeah, the thing about um, our podcast is. Um, it can help you get to sleep. And unlike Ambien, our podcast is not addictive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, these, these low-code things, they, they obfuscate and miss, they miss the mark. They, they're like, don't worry about the really hard stuff. We're going to take this thing that the little, the little superficial skin deep, skin deep, is that the right word? Thing that looks hard, and we're mm-hmm. going to solve that for you. But all this other stuff that's the iceberg under the water what's the phrase everything below the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. um you know that just that's all work it gets worse it's very much worse well yeah i mean I, it I, also depends on uh, you have you always have to i know we, we we this is like a just a perennial bitch that we have about stuff and mm-hmm. we have we have these so that we definitely just are terrible about ranting on over and over but you know, like let's pick on flow for a second. Like, yeah, I think flow is for good for some things, especially for some of like the screen flow things and the wizardy things you can do with it. And there's there's some cool stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, and if and if you're just you know if you need to throw together some some kind of a, a, a simple trigger or a simple record record triggered whatever you know whatever okay that that's fine that's mm-hmm. fine. But if you're you know that's not what that's not what I'm talking about, and that's that's not what I get paid to work on either. That's the thing. I don't get paid to work on that stuff. You know, that's what someone's admin does. That's fine. That's good for that. That's great. Good job, Salesforce. <laughs> we hang do on. use it in our environment. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to remember to do option command F, John. <laughs> I'm never going to remember that. I was just looking for this. 
Thank you. Looking for a little applause. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't want to set any expectations here, mm-hmm. but I just want to let everyone know. John, I'm just would catch everyone up on what we were dealing with earlier. My soundboard app now has a search function. So we should get so more clips. Get ready. Now, I do need to load my soundboard app with all of the clips that I've had in the past few years because I haven't done that. So get ready, people. It's going to be a <laughs> clip fest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't either. Um, no, I was going to say we do maybe, use. Maybe Jim, use... Cram- maybe Jim Cramer knows if it's good or bad. I have no idea. Not when Jim Cramer, that was Mark Minoff. Sorry. He has no idea. I didn't know. That's a great combo. Did you know about that? Yeah. No, I didn't know that was a con. I didn't know. Listen to that. I have no idea. He has no idea. (laughs) See, the magic of search. You know, I can find all these clip combinations now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, people. Jeremy's got a new toy. And I'm three beers in and we're just getting started. Are you really three already? You had a few before I, I got here. I went. I went. I ate lunch on the way here and had a couple of beers. Mm. I wish I'd done that. Yeah, oh, I'm about to sneeze. Let's see what else? Um, yeah, I mean, oh, I know what I wanted to say. So you know, Robert Sozman, he's a uh, good day, sir. Frequenter. You're about to sneeze. Talk about to sneeze. So I'll, I'll go ahead. It. I'll talk while you're no, I think almost sneezing over there. But Robert Sozman says, in in kind of talking about this. What we're talking about here. Uh, the low code is a solution without a problem. Learning to write code is easy. We don't like people who do it. We like engineers who understand, abstract, design, test, and maintain. That is a scarce and complex skill. And for that, low code doesn't provide any solution. I think I read this. But I can I can almost use that against him a little mm-hmm. bit. Just to, I mean, that he, he says that's a scarce and complex skill. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why you got all these vendors implementing or uh, adding these low code features because engineer engineering skills are scarce and expensive and complex. That that is the reason. I mean, I know, but it just it doesn't solve the problem though. No, but it well it does solve a problem. It solves the, the problem of accessibility. It solves the problem of you know I have these things that need to be, be built and you produce to someone hey that same admin who can do all this point and click stuff with Salesforce can now do this point-and-click programming as well. So now you can augment your development team or make, in some cases, be the development team with these low-code tools. And I think that's that was the message they were trying to sell with yeah. that. And even even me as a developer have wanted to build tools like that. I want to build tools that people can can kind of make decisions or adjust the logic that has been implemented, but it's a, it's a difficult task to cover a good amount of scenarios before you overcomplicate things, in which case you're almost back to code. Yeah. Like if you get a visual designer with a certain degree of granularity, it's almost like coding. Yeah, but probably true. the best examples of visual coding is probably game engines like Unity and, and um, Unreal. Yeah, I don't know what that experience is like. They have visual coding for those? Yeah. So you can create these modules of functionality and you can basically draw these lines between them and almost kind of, kind of like a – you've ever done any synthesizing? How you can take wires from, from all the input and outputs of all these different uh, – Mm-mm. modules in in, synth, in uh, synth development no yeah you, so you can like have some kind audio? Of, You're talking yeah, about audio audio okay. so you okay. can have like some waveform generator and plug that into some kind of sound generator and then plug that into some kind of filter and all this stuff starts happening and it's all based on input and output 
And so the, essentially it's the same, same kind of visual cues that you have in some of these game engines is you have these inputs and outputs and you start stringing them all together, chaining them all together to create a certain type of effect. Um, there's obviously there's there's additional tools like scripting and coding and all that kind of stuff, and then you could feed that into this visual UI model and stuff like that. So it's it's an interesting that's cool uh, platform. Sounds cool. Anyway, that article uh, it's got some good stuff in it. Um, you know, it, it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't take the the, the uh, position that you know low code is all bad or anything. Just like we don't. Just like I don't think you do. I don't. And and honestly, as far as the low code tools I've seen, and not that I, I don't spend a lot of time in them or anything, but I mean, Salesforce is, you know, I mean, clearly that's where Salesforce has put all of its money. I mean, look at look at what the Flownatics have gotten over the past five years, and look what we've gotten. You know, speaking of that, John, release notes. Guess what we? Guess what Salesforce has given us? We can now sort lists with a comparator. <laughs> I know what you're talking about because it's sad because that was like the the highlight of the release notes that I saw. I mean, there's other things in there, and I haven't gone through them with a fine couth tone. Fine couth tone. Wow, that's a that's a good one right there. <laughs> a fine comb tooth. Um, what the? F- but yeah, there's. About? It's a bit light on uh, features, and I I I, I got to think there's stuff coming. I got to think that there's stuff improvements that we've heard about on the roadmap and and things like that. But uh, some of the stuff from the roadmap is coming, like the uh, the max death. Uh, contr- uh, commands and stuff like that for cubicle oh, yeah. I have a whole there. list of release note stuff that I picked out that we can talk about if you want. That's one of them. Okay. I still don't understand some of the cubicle limits. And in fact, I'm still struggling with one of those. But well, you can. I don't know what happened, but I think. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, I still haven't been able to fix that. Uh, anyways. Uh, popping the stack back to float uh, declarative before you finish it up is we do use them. We have a, a varied skill set on the team. What is that whistling? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we are in the studio on a Sunday, which is supposed supposed to be no one here, but someone else is here apparently who thinks they're the only person here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, um, but we do use them, and and when we're do- when we're divvying up the uh, the workload, there are areas in in the solution where we can say okay yeah that can be done with a flow that can be done or that's a screen it doesn't require anything custom we just need a few inputs or need to ask the user are you sure you want to do this or here's the things that are going to happen are you sure type stuff and so we we relegate those to the flow and we have a a set of individuals who who can do that work and that's that's how we kind of delineate things and in some cases it's the entry point to something more complex like we stub out an invocable method and say okay Here's what you're going to present to the user. Here's the questions you need to ask, and then when they confirm, then you can launch that. You can call this invocable method. It's going to return this value or just fire and forget type situation, and then the rest, the other parts of it, is built by someone else. So we've, yeah. we've been able to delineate the code that way. And, and that's, and I think that's another thing you have to give credit uh, credit to Salesforce for, and how they've continued to enhance some of this stuff is they're they're letting the low code and pro code <laughs> worlds uh, <laughs> kind of cross pollinate and work together. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's valuable. I think that's there's a place for that. It, it does it does introduce certain things though because end to end testability, unit testing, all that kind of stuff is kind of iffy when it comes. Yeah, to Yeah, it's just never going to be as good. I mean, I mean, we still heavily rely on just old school end to end unit uh, UAT testing and a whole QA team dedicated to 
first stage QE. Um, and then, QE, what's that? Uh, quality. It's our quality engineering. So they, they validate the solution mm-hmm. before it gets to our staging, which then the UAT happens. So we've got these kind of multiple levels of qualifications for before code goes into production. Okay. And that'll probably, I'm not sure how much of that will still exist after we move to something more feature, feature flag based. Yeah. I'm hoping, I mean, it, all that testing still has to happen, but it'll happen in different ways, hopefully. What was it that I told you to put in your back pocket earlier? Uh, my transition from being basically solo developer to in a team. Okay. Keep that in your back pocket because I want to talk about, if you don't mind, if you, and I don't know what you can share, what you're comfortable sharing, but, um, what do you guys sorry excuse me <laughs> probably should turn my turn my face away from the microphone when I belch uh, it's like I was born yesterday um, no manners I hope my mom doesn't listen to this you're talking about the half our audience uh, yeah that's true <laughs> yeah, we can't afford to lose that <laughs> so keep listening mom um what uh, what is the what is the state of the world for the typical enterprise shop that is? And I, I'll use the term de- trying to do DevOps, even though God, I tweeted about this earlier today. I'm like, it it sucks that we've reduced the really philosophies and culture of DevOps down to just deploying my stuff from my sandbox to the to, you know, to the UA, UAT sandbox. That's what DevOps is in the Salesforce world. Yeah. Anyway, oh, that's a whole other rant that I really don't want to get into. But <laughs> yeah, what's what's it like? What's what's the tooling like? How successful is it? What how you know is it the things working well or is it still a massive, massive pain in the ass? Are there still super shortcomings? Uh, is that a topic for now? It is. Yeah. But before we get into that, that didn't work very well, but. It's, you know. it's not as satisfying as a cork pool. No, it's not. This is, by the way, I'm going to say, John and I are drinking some good old Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah, I finished Don't it. stop drinking your favorite beers, yep. because it turns out, if you do, they stop making them. Way too many examples of that. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah, we were commenting earlier that I, I, I was kind of drinking so many craft beers that I just got to the point where I just want a off-the-shelf beer off the grocery store yeah well that's what i'm about this and sierra nevada they're so great quality is outstanding and they employ the pope of foam charlie banforth Mm. so and if we were to actually pour this in a glass which probably should i could use another by the way if you have one what do you want i'd rather have another one of those oh well i don't have one unless you want this uh no Let's see. Uh, you want to you try the key lime pie? Yeah, I'll do the key lime. I think I've had one of these. Let's see if I can give us a, an audio thing. Let's see. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah. That was good. It's much more satisfying. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Good old Manhattan Project, man. They make good yeah. beer. It's less key lime and more, um, you know, the uh, limon packets you can get like at the grocery store. It's basically just lemon salt or yeah. lime salt. Yeah, citric acid. Yeah, yeah. Very much that. It's yeah. Good. 
rots your teeth. It doesn't? Oh, the acid. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. What are we talking about? Uh, DevOps. DevOps. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to, I mean, in, in our environment, it's, it's not too different than what we've been doing, what's been done for, for ages. I mean, you have your staged environments, you have your development environment, you have your, well, where we have QA staging and production. Okay. So just let me pause you for a second there. Do, do all developers and admins, everyone as every person that's working and, and, and whether it's, you know, Doing config work or flows or Apex code and LWCs. Does everyone have their own sandbox they're working in? No, that's Ooh. unfortunate. Okay, and there's a reason for that. Okay, I'm, I want to know what this is because I feel like <laughs> if if you don't have everyone doesn't you just you end up stepping on toes and overriding metadata and not capturing metadata and all that kind of stuff. Well, but, we do, and I think the saving grace is that everyone, regardless of, and we don't have any quote unquote admins on the on the development team. It's it's a it's a well structured engineering team. So even those that are just doing point and click stuff, they're expected to know Git. They're expected to to uh, commit their code or you know create a branch, do their work, commit it, do the pull request, and then we we walk that. Pull and this request this through. always impresses me when I hear people talk about this. Yeah. Um, so people who are not software engineers, but who are Salesforce professionals of some of some stripe. Um, right are doing their config and in point and click tools and Mm -hmm. they're pulling out all their changes and committing them and Git and, Mm -hmm. and, and doing merges and resolving conflicts. Well, no. Okay. 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 (laughs) And that's, that's where the branches come in. That's why we have this branch structure, at least for now is that we, that was the, so there's some history there before I got there. That was kind of what they were trying to do was that everyone would do their, 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 uh, they would do the work, do a commit, do the PRs, and there would be some merging and things like that. But because we didn't have dedicated environments, because they, there wasn't all this stuff that would normally make that work really well, there was a lot of overriding and, and things like that happening. So it came down to these feature branches, and then you would do pull requests from those feature branches, and we would catch those those merge conflicts at that point. Um, and then uh, nobody actually moves their stuff into a different branch. The PR does it, and then we have automation that goes ahead and does it. So once we approve those those merges in the PR, then we have like Jenkins go through and and do the actual pushes, and it resyncs the environment. So it re re pushes that that shared or that dev branch into the dev environment. Um, once it's approved for merge into QA, it pushes that stuff into QA, and then vice versa, all the way down the chain. You lost me on some of that. So let's say I'm a again. I'm like uh, doing some config work, and but I'm not a software engineer, and I know a little bit about Git, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do like a some kind of complex rebasing and you know right. conflict right. resolution. So what what's what does that workload look like? So I've done some I've done some work. I'm now I'm ready to share that with whatever the next step of the process is. What mm-hmm. is what does that next step look like? And it's kind of weird because you almost have one foot in the door and one foot outside. The and are door. you guys using any of these commercial tools, or is this all home? Great. It's not like you're using Jenkins, right? So you probably Jenkins with like SFDX CLI, probably. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the goal is there's some tools that we're wanting to implement, um, but we just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But yeah, the idea is that you know you would if you're going to do some work, you usually have a ticket associated with it, and mm-hmm. you create a branch based on that ticket, and then you it's do your, the work. A feature branch. A feature okay. branch. You mm-hmm. do your work in that feature branch. Yep. And this is where I'm saying you have one foot in the door and one foot out because we don't have unique environments for everybody. You're technically working in the same dev environment everyone else is. So you do your config, you pull your changes, and then you commit those into the repo. Or I'm sorry, you 
do their pull request. Okay, so so they they can commit their these people can commit their changes. They can commit it to their feature branch. Yep, and then they do a pull request to get it into the to the dev branch. Okay, the dev branch. Yeah. Okay, and that's how we make sure that dev is in sync with everything. Because even though the the all the work has been done in dev, um, it overwrites itself. So you have a long lived branch called dev yeah we have long-lived branches we're no gonna, you, you we're have tr- to you we're have trying to, to get away from that but yeah they're they're long-lived branches we're hoping to get away from that yeah so the whole the whole world except for salesforce has moved on to trunk it's a trunk yeah and everyone loves trunk <laughs> well but trunk it, has its own problems and there's ways around those problems uh, but yeah, it has sure. its own problems yeah there's i mean no, nothing's perfect it's just like what what's the best trade-off you know yeah. um i i my, I, I love trunk-based development with, you know, high-frequency um, commits mm-hmm. and um, small work in process. But that's not the world we live in, John. We're in Salesforce, so we have lots of long. We have we have long-lived branches to track every environment that exists. Mm-hmm. We have long-lived branches for what's in production, mm-hmm. uh, what's in dev. Again, everyone's org kind of gets their own long-lived branch, and then you have promotion branches and back promotion branches and PRs for moving these. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. wow, this is a lot of machine. In fact, I was reading like I think Capado has uh, actually the, a lot of these. A lot of these commercial tools have that kind of pretty decent documentation on on how you need to use their tool and what kind of like branching strategy and everything you need to have. And it's, it's pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth a read out there, but it, when you read it, it's, it's, it's when you realize that, Oh, how, wh- what a situation we are here with Salesforce still. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. And it's, I, I mean, it's, I, to, to be fair, it's always getting better, you know, and man, you got a huge shout out to the, all the, all the folks working on the CLI. And that's really has enabled a lot of improvement in, Absolutely. And how in getting some of the stuff done. Yeah. And even their migration to SF as a primary command structure mm-hmm. has been really well done. The 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 legacy support for the old commands and everything is still there and they're they're just aliased into the new commands and things like that. It's 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 been an easy transition. I, I do think it got a little bit wordier in certain aspects, like SF project retrieve start and then whatever. Well, but some, of, some of the concepts have yeah. changed, so you're almost having to, you know, so the whole project stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, it's and maybe it's just using better words to more match the the, the model or the mental model better. You know, let's let's re, let's align the words, the commands better with what we're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you yeah, get but, you get used to them. You get the muscle memory. Do, yeah. it's, it's less intrusive it, it at first it is a bit tedious but once you get the muscle memory it's fine i think they've done a great job of you know a couple of years ago they started this initiative of how do we modularize um these you know different command line things we have mm-hmm. and then it's and they, i think they learned a lot from that they did a pretty good job and now it's like now how do we now that we've modularized how do we consolidate because which is which is weird Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, modulation is good. So why are we consolidating? Well, that's because we've learned a lot, and we've learned what the breakdown structure yeah. of this whole thing should be. So now we can consolidate it and keep it modular, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it almost reminds me of like 
you know, we're, not, we're now back to like a mono repos are basically just like the thing you almost everyone in the world should be doing mono repos. And they're just like, you know, the Salesforce should have a mono CLI. Like we've learned all the things. Yeah. We've properly modularized it. We've, we've, we've really honed in the right concepts and the right words for those concepts because words matter. And now we can take all those learnings and move forward with this in a, in a consolidated, more efficient, better, you know, we're, we're structured. We've laid the foundation to like, for even to, for future, because who knows what they've got planned for. I mean, I'm sure they've got, you know, all kinds of stuff on their project board for what they plan on doing next. And I think that, I feel like they've laid the foundation for that, all that really well with really minimal disruption. Um, and, and really they've, every time they've made like, you know, significant changes like the migration. They've done a really good job of giving you a, a good migration path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I feel like that team is doing some of the more impressive work that I've seen, at least from a just a from my perspective, from the from the surface of Salesforce that I'm more exposed to. Yeah, and I hope it continues. Um, I know that uh, we've seen that with Apex as well. We had a kind of renaissance period where there was a lot of attention being put onto Apex and everything like like that, and the tooling and everything else. And that's how we got kind of where we are today. And I just hope that continues. Um, we've seen it kind of go and come in waves so where we have just, these, these ways of, of developer yeah. experience, inspiration, yeah. and then it kind of wanes yeah. and then it comes back again. And I, I you know, just hope it continues that it's not trailing off. Cause I mean, it, to, to me, that's, that's a, that's a big factor in the platform being what it is, is these, the ability for us to modify it with, with these developer tools. Yeah, I know. And, and I know that the, the, the boxes and arrows and the draggy droppies is what sells and what it was like, it looks great at demos and on Dreamforce stages and everything. But, but we all know that it real companies with real problems at scale, like people are doing apex, a lot of it and a lot of packaging and a lot of triggers and a lot of DevOps, And that shit needs to work. It's just, that's, that's there's not as much investment going into that. Well, it's a difficult problem to solve for sure. Yeah, I know. That's just anyway. But I think I think low code has has uh it has created interest in developing developing in general as well. I mean, we've <clears throat> seen an influx of people who started out as I'll say flowanatics. I hate saying that word. Who started out as flowanatics? What's the alternative to flowanatics? Flowers. That I don't know. Sound we, good. We, I don't know if this is a term, but we in. Internally in our company, we, we call it the Flow Nation. Yeah. Flow, well, <laughs> well, then, what are they? Flow soldiers? Flow, flow soldier flows? I don't know. <laughs> flow citizens. Flow <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natics just seems to work better, I think. Flow Natics makes them seem like they're crazy, which they may be. <laughs> but it has, it has created – it has exposed people. I think that's a better way of saying it. It has exposed people to – coding and development and these concepts and i think it's piqued a lot of their interest to the point where they want to transition away from those low code tools and get into programming actually writing code and for better or for worse i mean i think that's that's what it's done yeah anyway i we could boy i could i could rabbit hole on this but i'm not going to anyways popping the stack back to to our environments um yeah so we do the prs and we do them to the environments now the reason we have we don't have an environment for every person is because we do have integrations. We have external integrations to systems that in order for us to build something and properly test it, we have to have that integration. And there's just not enough of those environments to say, I'm going to establish a whole new 
envir- stack for this one developer. It's just not going to happen. But can that developer not do uh, their job with without having all these integrations run, or do they, do they have to? The work we do is so integrated with so that. Integrated. It's just mm. that's just the flow of the way the data moves. And it's can't. not like the data in Salesforce is just CRM. It's for us. It's we sell software, so we have a licensing system that that we have to integrate with, and actually two or three because we have two licensing systems because we're transitioning from one licensing system to another licensing system. So we're kind of in this in between stage. So we yeah. have those two, and then we have the web store, and that needs to be integrated in to be able to do you know to, to test out your web orders. And there's okay. the whole integration with that. So there's just all these different external factors that make it difficult to say, yeah, I'm just going to create a new stack for that one, that one. And it's the project Phoenix thing. Um, there's a book that came out a few years ago and no, it was long, talking about that. Lo- exact longer than that. Um, <laughs> what's that book? Um, the Phoenix product, the Phoenix product. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 And that, that was like, talking about that exact scenario, which is, you know, we needed the way to kind of create a stack, a, you know, so that every developer has a full environment and that's, it's, it's difficult. To, to set that up. There's not only just software requirements, but there's hardware requirements as well, you know, that have to be factored in. What was the, um, and that's, that finished project, by the way, it's considered like a, a must read for people. Um, there was, I mean, like there was a, that was Gene Kim, right? But was there a predecessor to that book or what, what was the book that came after that? I don't remember. I never got to it, or, but yeah, or, I do remember. There was, the, was, there was either a book before or after that. Yeah. That, that was and I didn't read that. I didn't read that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's a good book. I, I yeah. definitely suggest reading it. It's it's um, it's it's told in story format. It's yes. not like a dry you know technical read. It's a it's, it's a, a fiction. It's, it's a, a fiction. It's a novelized mm-hmm. fiction of of a person who comes in and is, is basically expected to develop this whole DevOps thing, which I hate saying because DevOps has become this. Kind of no, it just means how do I get my code into yeah. production? Is all it means now, <laughs> right? But it, but it's it's very story driven, and you get to you get a sense, and even though it's fictionalized, you get a sense of the the challenges, the ups and downs, the the politics of the situation, all those kind of things that that um, mimic real life to a certain extent in a way that that's that's um, practical. So I, I definitely recommend it. It's a good read. Uh, there's an audio book of it as well if you just want to. No, consume it that yeah. way. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, that's one of these challenges, and and being in consulting, it, it, it's even more challenging because you don't have control over that. You don't have control, and you know, it, and even if you man, could, you get can it, control get, it. You control it up front, but not the ongoing maintenance of it. And, and even do you control it up front? Like, can you get buy-in to yeah. implement some kind of system like this? Yeah. And do you convince, can you convince people that you had some work to get set up and we'll need to train some people and whatever, but like in the long run, we're going to save a lot of time and be able to add a lot more value if we do this. And like, oh, no, I just, it's going to take, uh, <laughs> well, where we're at right now doesn't, doesn't speak to improved efficiency or productivity with, with long running feature branches and things like that. I think we can get there with, with trunk and maybe I've got this pie in the sky grass is greener on the other too side. Expensive. Outlook right now. It is too expensive because <laughs> we do have a lot of people involved. We have <laughs> our developers, our engineering team. Uh, we have our project management team and we have a DevOps team who's, who's there to manage the, uh, I don't want to call them Your DevOps. DevOps team, no, are they I'm developers? sorry. No, don't are call they, them DevOps. Yeah. I didn't mean DevOps. I mean, but our platform engineering. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is weird because I think our 
it's almost like our DevOps are kind of they're not You're calling are they people? They're dev they're DevOps people? Okay, so we have people who are responsible for writing code in in developing the system. And we have people who work with the business product managers who work with the business to get us our requirements. We have people oh, so they and they walk they walk the requirements from the from the business people over to the developers, right? Yes. Okay, I learned that in office space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have people who who manage our process which I think falls under the term of the umbrella of DevOps. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean manager? Do you mean they're responsible for actually trying to get your shit into production? They're the ones that, that, that conduct our standups and, and our, <sighs> our, our sprint planning and all that kind of stuff. Do you guys do Scrum? Because mm. I have a whole thing on Scrum. <laughs> I don't know what we do. <laughs> it's agile-like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's good. No, that's – I think – yeah, that's – no, that's good. I like – We do we do standups. We do day, we do day yeah. well. Four day standups. Okay. Fridays are are free, but we do four day standups, and we do uh, we do. Have Wait, you only do four days a week standups. Yeah. You don't do the fifth day. Windows well, you're not doing days. agile, then, John. It's not agile. <laughs> Hold on. We are required <laughs> to post to a Slack channel what our status is that day, <laughs> Fridays. Okay. It's just we don't have our 15 minute meeting. No, I'll which allow is, it. And and the, we do at least try to be properly stand up. It's only 15 minutes. You know, we we go through our, our tasks. We do the status blockers. Aren't do we have blockers? Yes. No. Do we have questions? Yes. Okay. Make sure you follow up on that, and we we coordinate that at that meeting, and then we move on because there's other teams stacked and about to do their standups, and they flow into our same meeting space. So it's yeah. like we can't just sit there and take time because other people are coming in. So it, it's actually wow. pretty well structured how they do that. Um, so we do our standups and all that kind of stuff, but um, and that's the team structure. And then we have our, our QA team who's also a part of that who does like. And they do multiple stage QAs. They have like our initial um, validation of the requirements. And then it goes to UAT who validates at a much higher functional level, almost end to end. And not probably like more regression too. Yeah. Like, do we break anything? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the structure that we have right now. And it, it works. It's, it's resolved a lot of issues. Um, there are issues with some environments like our QA environment doesn't have integration with one of our LMS systems. So I technically can't test in QA or our team can't test in QA. So I actually have to push all my stuff to staging so it can be QA there. So, I mean, that's just, that's just the realities of yeah. all these environments that we have to have and the challenges of trying to keep, create these stacks that we can use. Yeah. Even right now we're trying to, I think we're trying to establish a whole new staging environment because the current one is lacking in certain features, but it's turned into this huge project that we can't just seem to roll out just yet. Mm. But future state, what we'd like to be is trunk-based um, with feature flags so that we can essentially just continuously integrate. Not continuously deploy. We're not there yet. Yeah. But we'd like to at least continuously integrate into a monorepo. I'm, I, you know, I'll, I'll ask this to, to, to our uh, fantastic community. Um, is anyone doing trunk development with Salesforce with, with, with automation around environments? Because I wonder what that model looks like. Like, you know, you, you would have to, you know, because normally like on projects that I'm doing trunk-based development on, not Salesforce projects, um, you know, every if anytime there's like a release to production or any environment, like it just it gets tagged. It's a tag, mm-hmm. and you can also create a branch, right? So that you can um, you can you can create a branch on that same commit that the tag that the tag is on, so that you can uh, do you know. 
to do a hot fix or whatever mm-hmm. um, against it. But that's why our strategy is is a uh, feature flagging. So but it, but it'll it'll be there and it'll have a feature flag. And yeah. when it goes, okay. it can be propagated to however many environments it needs to be. Doesn't matter, even production. Mm-hmm. And it's not until that feature flag is enabled that it'll start executing. Yeah. That simplifies the complexity of feature flagging, but essentially that's the goal. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for showing that, John. I think those are still just things that everyone struggles with. Whether you're doing Jenkins, whether you're doing GitHub. Have you guys talked about GitHub Actions at all? You guys on GitHub or something else? Uh, Bitbucket. Bitbucket. Okay, I'm sure I know Bitbucket has its own. That's Atlassian, right? Yeah. So they well, we're their... using Jira for managing our, okay. our tickets Okay, so you guys are so full-on. Plugs, yeah, it's, Atlassian it's so job. easy. All I have to do is type in the ticket number and auto-links everything. Yeah. Like, that's so nice. But I'm sure uh, does... All does... my commits are on the ticket. All my pull requests on the ticket. It's so nice. Does Atlassian have their own answer to GitHub Actions? Like just full-on automation? I think so. They have I'm, to. It's just not my world. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm curious what everyone's doing. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you have all these like out-of-the-box out, out commercial things in the Salesforce world. Capato. Um, what's the one? Um, yeah, Auto-Rabbit, by the way. Rabbit. Auto-Rabbit. No. It's Rabbit. R-A-B-I-T. I don't care. It's Rabbit. <laughs> Auto-Rabbit, which is just weird. Um, Sounds like rabies. Oh, uh, yeah. The, like the blue canvas people. What are the other the other big ones? Um, I'm, I'm forgetting one. I think blue canvas is the one I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with. Oh, gear set. Gear set. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gear set is, um, we evaluated gear set. We might move to gear set. We'll see. Gear set looks nice. That's, that was last time I looked at them. That was kind of the one that looked the most attractive to me. Yeah. But I could be, uh, swayed in another direction. And I think, uh, for launch, a small fee, <laughs> <laughs> launch darkly was evaluated for our feature flagging launch darkly. Well, yeah. I've heard of that, but I don't know anything about it. It's just a feature flagment. Well, that's what, a that's the module thing? that we're using. No, it's it's a product. Okay, it has features to enable it in Salesforce, and I think that's that's why I got evaluated. Launch darkly, not launch softly. Launch darkly. Yeah, darkly. Darkly is that an actual word? The adverb of the word dark. It is now. Okay, marketing makes it so. That's true. <laughs> is it D R D A R K L I? Wow, R K L R L K I. Wow, R Kelly. Let's not go there. Um. Okay. Uh, let's see. What 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 else is going on, John? Are you code first or product first, John? But just as a your philosophy, are you a code first guy or are you a product first guy? I'm a product first guy. Some programmers are code first; they focus on the code. Other programmers are product first; they focus on the product and user experience. Strive to be product first. Remember the rule of good code. If the product doesn't work well, the code is not good. I'll tell this you a is, symptom uh, of, of product first. Want to hear it? Well, I have to give, I just have to say that that was a tweet by Corey House, who is a pretty good Twitter follow. Um, or sorry, is it X? I, I'm, I can't get used to yeah. that, but uh, I guess. No, he's got some interesting stuff. He's like, I don't know, I, got, I don't know what I'm looking at this thing now. He does some plural side stuff and whatever. And he's one of these you know, Twitter people who tweets all the time and. It's every, it's all bait, but it's it's pretty good stuff though. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of the also the the saying. You can't just build the thing right. 
you have to build the right thing. Yeah. And that's about, that's a product focus versus a code focus. Yeah. Customer, so being, being customer, product, doesn't, customer doesn't give a shit how beautiful your code is. Right. And that, that's what I was going to say. That's a symptom of product first is that your code's probably going to be pretty crappy. Because you can't, you can't focus on beautifying your code if you're focused on the product and the end result. It just sometimes is what it is. Wait, wait, say that again. You can't focus on you can't focus on how beautiful your code is, how elegant it is, how well it's how well it's developed, how how closely it follows the dry principles or mm-hmm. or, or follows the domain driven design model or whatever. There's 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 going to be trade offs when you build something for the product that can't happen um, on your first or second release of the product. It's going to be ugly code, and you have to accept that. It's only through refining and refactoring that you can get there. Um, but it's it's if you go code first, then chances are you're designing for very beautiful, elegant, highly uh, um, I don't know what the right word is, but very dynamic, flexible code that you can easily maintain and you can augment with with you know let's say um, dependency injection and all yeah. those kind of things that that make code really nice and elegant and everything else. You'll be focused on that and less on what the end product is. Yeah, clean code is not. It shouldn't be about OCD. It should be about what is then the service of delivering value, the product or whatever you're trying to get done, whatever the business is. Yeah. And I'm learning, but it turns out that usually having quality code serves that purpose, but again, it has to be, it all has to flow downstream from who's paying your bills. It does. And that's, that's really important. I mean, if you're building a product, there's going to be, how can I say this? There's not going to be a lot of time spent on how great your code is, how well it's integrated, um, even putting together frameworks internally to manage how your modules interact with each other. Sometimes it's going to be a, a quick and dirty, I'm going to call this method across this module. I know I'm not supposed to do that because it crosses domains and, and things like that, but I need it to get it done. And maybe later I'll be able to fix that type situation. But you're focused on functionality. You're focused on getting the product working. You're focused on getting the product out the door. Yeah. Because you went outside of the lines and called this method directly instead of having some kind of interface or having some kind of um, service layer in between you oh, and that yeah. method, you have to have does that mean that the product a, functions any different? You no. have to have a service layer and an object broker and a message queue before you can uh, directly call the method, right. John. Yep. And so it's just, it's just for me, it's more practical and realistic to say focus on the product than, than the code. Yeah. But I love beautiful code. I love elegant code. I love when a new feature or requirement comes through and it's so simple because of the way the code is written to make that modification. That's the best feeling. It makes it almost validates the decisions you made when you yeah. do that. Yep. So I understand both sides of it, but ultimately you got to you got to write to who pays your bills and that's that's the crux of it. All right, so we talked about we were talking about VS code earlier, but have you um, been following or have you used this editor called Cursor? Mm-mm. I haven't either, um, but everyone's all talking about it. It is um, VS Code. I, Google it Google it. I think it's cursor.ai. It's basically a hosted VS Code, and it apparently has amazing AI. I'd probably just go to Twitter and search for like cursor or whatever. I look at some of the. There's some. There's some folks that are doing just kind of bl- almost like blog. I guess Twitter's more like a blog now about. The amazingness of cursor. No, it's cursor.so. So, okay. Cursor.stack overflow? Significant other. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
<clears throat> silly ops. Yeah, it's um Psyop no Psyops is P. That's true. Social optimization. Social optimizer. Hmm. Singles only. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have, have anything else to say. The about AI than, first code editor. Oh my god, we're going with first. Why does everyone well, so obsessed with being first? I know. We'll get over that. That's our culture is way too obsessed with what is, what being is, first. Hey, what is Salesforce first right now? It was uh, well, it was Lightning first. Yeah, Lightning first, API first, uh, accessible first, mobile first. Um, net zero first. Oh yeah. Equality first. Now, what are, what's first now? I mean, the only thing AI is first. Now. That, see, this is the problem with first. Only one thing can be first, <laughs> and all the other things are not first. You know what Apple has showed us? You can't have your cake and eat it too. You know what Apple has showed us? What being first isn't all that. Why is that? Because they're never first. Oh, that's true. They're just they're, they steal and they, improve. They they sit back and watch everyone else. Yeah, stumble and blow, I mean, how many, blow how their many, money. How many product reviews start out with Android has had this for years? <laughs> Apple finally implemented it, but they implemented it so much better. And this and that, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I did go into those war. That war. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, Apple waits too long. Sometimes it took way too long to get copy and paste on the phone. Remember that? <laughs> Didn't have copy and paste. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some quick wins that probably should have came yeah. sooner than later. Absolutely. Uh, so NVIDIA is basically the only company making money with AI. And yep. They're making a crap ton of money. Yep. I saw their um, quarterly profit over the past, since, in their, since they went public. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, how it's just, it's skyrocketed. Yeah, I think their market share is like 80% of the GPU market. And in fact, it, they're, they're so dominant now that a week ago, before they released their earnings, um, the concern was they, were, they, would, they might miss expectations a little bit. And what a devastating effect that was going to have on the entire stock market. <laughs> I'm like, you stock know what? market needs to calm down. Well, that, that shows you that we have a sickness in the market, which is we have only mm-hmm. one player that's really overly dominating everything, which is not good. Yeah. You don't you don't want you know one person that misses earnings to you know reduce the net worth of the stock market by trillions of dollars. That's dumb. Yeah, but it, it also points to the the laziness of the market as well. You know, there's there's <sighs> they're everyone they're all lazy. Everyone's looking to everyone you know these grifters. Everyone's trying to make money from not creating any value. Yeah, that doesn't work. Especially now with it's the, not it's not a realistic factoring of the of, of what's going on in the industry. It's not that NVIDIA is might miss numbers because they don't know how to make money. It's because physically producing that much product is difficult. Yeah. If they're, they're, they're in a the market business. share. They're, they're physically having to produce these things, and there's just not enough resources available to do it all. And I mean not people resources. I mean resources. Yeah. I feel like we shouldn't have to clarify that. Everyone knows when we say resources, we don't mean human gobs of goo and barrels or whatever. <laughs> Right? Meat sacks. Yeah. Meat sacks. <laughs> <laughs> ah, satchels of human goo. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we self-deprecate ourselves we, when we imagine what aliens think of us? That's, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's all I got other than release notes, John. 
Do you have? Did you? Do you have you looked at the release notes for Winter Twenty Four? I poked around. I was hoping to to find something that was like really compelling that I could just like go off on, but honestly, it didn't really come to fruition. And I don't know if that's because maybe there's some new announcements coming with Dreamforce that they're holding off on or something. I don't know. Just didn't seem like. And I don't. I, well, this is the this is the last. This is the Dreamforce release, so this is it. Yeah, but they'll feature flag something and tell us about it later. That's true. <laughs> yeah. All the AI stuff. All the AI stuff is. I've, I've. I'm starting to get a little worried because the the articles that are coming about about AI in general in the tech industry is that they're really banking on AI saving their butts. Um, because. Um. Because the industry itself, the, the 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 consensus I'm getting is that the industry itself is pretty much stagnated. You know, they were hoping things like uh, uh, Thundercloud. Um, what are we? What were those? Uh, Thundercloud. Wow. What, what was Thundercloud's meant to support? I forgot. I'm trying. That to think. was IoT, right? Yeah, IoT. They thought IoT was gonna was gonna be a big boost. It never came to fruition. Uh, <laughs> they thought Bitcoin was gonna be the thing that was gonna gonna you know give them a whole new life um oh, at yeah. least on life nfts nfts uh, yeah. and now they're they're really really hoping that ai is gonna gonna help them sell some licenses that's it's always the next thing john yeah. all the grifters oh that's the other thing the, the scam artists are out in force i i um and, and they and they range from one man shops up to the leading multi-trillion dollar billion dollar enterprise software companies yeah i read this article they're all having to do it let's see where is it uh, did I link it? Tell me I linked it. I didn't link it. Anyways, there was this article about this guy, and this was on Business Insider. <laughs> John, Which, it's just now Insider. Just Insider. Oh, that's right. It's just Insider. Uh, I'm waiting for my subscription to end for this year. So I can By the way, it. I clicked on a on a the information mm-hmm. article, and I looked, and it was like, "Hey, would you like to subscribe?" Holy moly! Mm-hmm. It's expensive. Goodness gracious. Yeah. And that's not even their top tier. There's another tier on top of that, which gives you access to like org charts and all that stuff. And like survey results and stuff. And I was like, gosh, that is some, that is some one percenter shit right there. That is. I cannot afford that. Oh, I'm paying for it. You still have it? (laughs) Now, are you grandfathered into a lower price? See, I think people are grandfathered in. Oh, okay. To lower, to the original, original. And I'm telling my wife, I think I'm still subscribed to it. No, I won't tell her. She listens, so I'm in trouble. As long as you don't tell me that I kick her off of our Adobe thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, one of the articles I read was, was about this guy and I don't know why they featured him, but he was like, I lost all my, all my money on FTX and, and, and uh, crypto. And so I was like, what is the next best thing? Oh, it's AI. And then the article was like, the headline was like how I made $175,000 in one month doing AI. And it turns out all he did was create some seminar spam twitter yes. with all these these feeds about how you can make money on ai and the way he made that 175 was by people paying him for his program Dude, it's the modern day you can place tiny classified ads you know remember that yeah. guy <laughs> over the uh god there's it's like, the next grift it, it is, absolutely is, it is. and so they're gonna is. ruin what could be yeah. a good technology I don't think they'll ruin they won't ruin it they're just Oh, I think people like that. They're on the fringes, you know? I mean, Are they on the fringes? They I, ruined I crypto, so. in my opinion. They absolutely no, there was, ruined there crypto. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. They didn't ruin crypto. Bitcoin's still doing Bitcoin. They ruined NFT, too. NFT never was a thing. It was always dumb. 
That's what I was saying. It was always dumb. No one... I don't think anybody found a good use for this technology because it got ruined by grifters. There might it may not have changed the world, but what there could have been what, some good aspects I mean, to this technology. What happened to the blockchain cloud, John? No one wants blockchain. It's too. It's too. That, that was it, it. It was one Dreamforce. That was the big thing. Yeah, the blockchain cloud. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably that. They probably um, that's probably hanging out with uh, database.com and VMforce and yeah. Now we'll have AI cloud, or AI for no, Einstein cloud. What? what, what it, mm. Einstein GPT. That's what it is. Yeah, I can't keep up. It's it's really tough being in this environment and trying to follow it, trying to understand what do I need to know as a as a as a practitioner as a practitioner. Huh? You know, you know what do I need to have my finger on the thumb on? What do I need to invest my my heart my my uh, very little uh, extra time on to yeah. learn? Yeah. So that I can continue to be valuable. But no, I'm stuck with filtering through miles of grifters telling me all these things I should be I should learn and should know. And the umpteenth hundredth different AI model out there that's saying use ours. We've got this cool little quirky name. Hugging face. Oh, I saw hugging face. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> what are we doing with company they, they, names? What was it? They were in the news, they just raised a ton of money, right? Yeah, two hundred thirty five million. The AI community building the future. I don't get you it. Hug your face. I don't get it. Isn't that cute? Invest, give me two hundred thirty-five millions. I'll hug your face. It's named after the emoji, the hugging face emoji. That's what that's called. Company named after an emoji. I don't a know hug- what's worse, a hugging face or X. <laughs> hugging face is a French American company that develops tools for building applications using machine learning. It is most notable for its transformers library built for natural language processing applications and its platforms that allow users to share machine learning models and data sets. I mean, that's kind of cool, actually. Really? Because when like you the, read that, I was like, that means nothing to it, me. No, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like uh, the GitHub of AI models and algorithms and stuff. Um, they just raised a bu- – oh, they, uh, they were in the news because they yeah, just Salesforce raised a bunch of money. and led so, the financing yeah. round. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably. I mean, they raised two hundred thirty-five. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be surprising me if Salesforce was two hundred million of that. Oh, probably not that much. Because um, also Google, Amazon, Nvidia, AMD, Intel, IBM, and Qualcomm participated. Yeah, but Salesforce led it. Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't. I I don't follow VC and that kind of there's, stuff. That there's much. not. And Salesforce is dedicated five hundred million to in Salesforce Ventures to to invest in AI. They led this funding round. Okay. Salesforce has been known to spend a little bit extra um, to for these type of things, so it wouldn't be surprised me if it was pretty close, if not at around two hundred. So this this funding round valued the company at four point five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Guess what their revenue was last year? Ten dollars. Fifteen million. <laughs> Fifteen million. Yeah, yeah. That's that's modern financing right there. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I'm mean, there's just I, I with rumors being that Salesforce invested put so much into this or led this because they want to see it as a future I, I know I know these guys can make a lot of money doing this. I just the financial engineering in these bullshit companies, I just I don't And I'm and I'm sure I'm a poor person because of it. Yeah, that's why you're never and be I'm a fine. billionaire. I'm fine. I'm I'm no, I won't and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I make I make I feel like the money I make is very honest honest you know, honest earned money. And I'm, you know, I'm, I know that makes me a total rube, but I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah. 
You just won't have a million dollar yacht. I will not. Actually, no, they're like... I'm okay with that. My wife's not okay with that, but I'm okay with that. She would definitely <laughs> like a yacht. And by the way, I don't think you can get a yacht for a million dollars. What are you talking about? I, know, I, was, I, was, I was about to correct myself when you said Try that. Try like a hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're trying to flex and hang out with Ellison. And a hundred million dollars doesn't even Musk get you like and... any kind of like a notable yacht. That's just a kind of a regular yacht. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention the docking and staffing of it. Oh, it's several million a year. Yeah. Easily. I mean, no. Well, let's um, let's. Do you have do you have anything else you want to get to, or we can run through some release note items? I can do the release note sign. I'll if we if if we go into mine, I'll probably start getting into uh, doom and gloom of San Francisco, which doesn't sound fun. We talked about AI and we talked about Nvidia, so I'm good. I don't know if these links. Oh, those links won't come across. I was going to send you. Um, does that did that work? I don't know. Just like on my, but I'll go through this. So the, uh, one thing is, there's a new setup domain. And they're telling you, hey, you need if you you know you need to whitelist some new domains because setup is going to be at salesforce salesforce dash setup dot com. Yeah, like, this is so weird because first of all, already you know setup is a disaster. Um, mm-hmm. It reminds me of when we fifteen twenty years ago looked at uh, NetSuite and every single different page looked like it was built by a different team. That's what setup looks like. It's none of it's partly of it's lightning. Um, it causes all kinds of third-party cookie issues. Like they're using third, and basically third-party cookie cross-domain cookie stuff. So I have to like, I have to turn my security off on my browser so the setup even works. And every time I log into a different client's org, I got to do that all over again because it's by domain. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now they're adding another domain, and, t- exp- and, and of course they give you no explanation of why this is. Doesn't, don't worry about why. Just add this to your uh, firewall. Yeah. What? Why? So I'm ask John. Why <laughs> do we need yet another domain Salesforce? And by the way, I feel like every few months when I log into Salesforce orgs, the domains are all different, and it's like files dot blah 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 dot blah 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 dot force dot visual dot lightning dot com. It's like what? How does this keep changing? Yeah. And also, when you log into something, you know, it's seven redirects. I don't know if they're just having to set cookies on. That's what they're doing, I think. I think they have to set cookies on all the different domains that are involved in all this. And so they have to bounce you oh, to yeah. all those so that your browser lets you set cookies to get past all the security models. And, oh, this is enterprise soft- This is modern enterprise software, John. It just is what it is. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I read that, and I just had no clue why. I, I tried to imagine maybe it's because they're moving everything to hyperforce and maybe they want to centralize the user management system into a single entity, which is something some larger system like we I used to work with yeah. a system it was called Docent. And it was mm. you self hosted, yep. but um uh even though you had a distributed system, you, you had self hosted? You could. Docent. Yeah, huh? you self hosted. Don't quote me on that. No, I wasn't I involved in that system all that much. But what I do know is that we had a central user management system on it. And that system, when you logged in, would redirect you to where your uh, org was or where your data was stored. Mm, yeah. And so I'm wondering that that popped in my head when they said they wanted to move setup. And I was wondering, well, maybe they're moving it, moving the, moving and centralizing user management because they're moving everything else to hyperforce. And that way, user management can come in, be fast and responsive, and then redirect you to where you need to be. Yeah. This could, I mean, a lot, I think a lot of the stuff nowadays is, you know, hyperforce driven. Mm hmm. And I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. It's just one of those things that, like, it's like yet another weird thing that is going to probably cause my browser an issue at some point or whatever. (laughs) 
Um, and, and, and I think also they're moving. They're, I mean, they're obviously moving away from profiles as permissioning. So I, that just, to me further leads to the idea that they're just trying to centralize management and and that way they can just point to the environment that you're in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next thing is you can now set a password or expiration date on a public link to a Salesforce file. Now that well, that's kind of cool because I feel like these, you know, it's always super dicey when you need to share a sensitive file with someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's services you can buy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them that people use that share files with me, I'm not impressed with at all. Like it emails me a link. I'm like, well, hang on. I'm told that email is not secure. So why are you what <laughs> you're emailing me of the link or emailing me a password? Yeah, that's so a, have, that's uh, a no no in modern security because um, there's there's already been phishing scams based on those. And you know, there's you know these there's these, all these organizations that have obviously they've licensed this this software or service or whatever it is that and they think they're sending you something real secure. It's like you've been sent a secure. Me- you get these. Mm-hmm. You've been sent. You've been sent a secure message. Please click this link to receive the message. And you click the link and and like you just you get the message. Mm-hmm. Or you have to enter like, I don't know, your email address and then it sends you a code and then you just plug that code in. I'm like that was just a triple theater. that was just a triple theater reach around. That was nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I think you know when I, I can imagine like when they were evaluating that software they, they were looking at the demo and everyone's like yeah, they, I can see people sitting around the conference table but yeah that, that, oh, that's, that's secure like, you got to click a link and you got to then get your check your email and you got to you got to plug the passcode in that's that's yeah hey Bob is that secure to you Bob that looks secure to me oh, let's, let's do it okay where do we sign <laughs> oh okay yeah. but I do like I do like this um I also like the ones where you can it'll you can share a file with someone. It gives you a unique link, and that link can only be accessed once. Yeah. So at least your your real time scope you can you can send you could like I I message someone with a link if you think I message is secure you could Slack someone mm-hmm. link I think Slack is secure, um, <clears throat> and they can that link can be accessed once and, and they can download the file, and that link does not exist anymore. Those are nice. I, Salesforce should probably add that. That's the only thing they don't have here. They have expiration date, and they have a you can put a password on it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that's a I think that's a, a useful thing. What do you think? Oh, I do. Automate so news and so this is a, a, all about accounts. Salesforce accounts, the account tab slash feature in Salesforce. Uh, news automated account fields and account logos are being retired. I didn't even know what this was. I had to ask. I've never used this feature, but I guess when you are creating an account or searching for account, um, sales, you can, if you have this enabled, it will query out to some database, or I don't know if it Googles it for you what, but it brings in that, that company's information, their logo, and automatically and everything. Um, but I'm also told it just doesn't work very well, and so maybe that's why they're killing it. Yeah. But people weren't using it, and it didn't work very well. Had you ever heard of that feature? No, it might I hadn't heard. I want to. I want to say it might have been something to do with 
that whole Dun and Bradstreet D and B's thing that they had. Might have been, yeah. Because uh, that one, or did, also, uh, that one did Jigsaw. Remember that Jigsaw was? Uh, yeah, there was a few tools that they had that would augment the account record. Um, I feel like they still have Jigsaw. That was was that data? That was data.com, right? They turned it into data.com. Yeah. I wonder what's what's the data.com. It's fun going to these old Salesforce domains that they that were a big deal to them. Yeah, it's just it's a dead. It's just, it's no oh, no no it re, oh, that now redirects you to the data cloud. <laughs> Completely repurpose that. That's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna try database.com. <laughs> Um, that takes you to sell. So salesforce.com slash product slash platform slash services slash how you integrate, how you integrate. It's the Salesforce platform. Yeah. Okay. Salesforce one lightning platform. Uh, I warned you guys I'd be uh, playing some clips. Uh, okay. Disable keyboard shortcuts. By default, keyboard shortcuts are enabled so you can work faster. But sometimes these keyboard shortcuts interfere with assistive tools such as screen readers. You can now disable Salesforce keyboard shortcuts. So you can now disable the things that were supposed to increase the accessibility mm-hmm. that actually hurt the accessibility. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ah, software's hard, John. It really is, to be fair. Uh, this is cool. This is a nerdy thing for us uh, devs. You can now, this is a developer preview. Um, this is something that uh, some of our friends have been working on. Specify custom access using permission sets for user mode database operations. You can say run as, run with the permissions of this permission set. Oh, yeah. That's, that'll be nice. Yeah. Although you know, as, as these as Salesforce continues to increase the power and flexibility of its security model, like negative permissions and things like this, it's getting more complicated. Mm-hmm. And complicated yeah. security is bad security. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. Can't win. You can't win, John. Can't win on the Good Day Sir podcast. <laughs> 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 we look every gift horse in the mouth, and we're like. Those teeth are not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- those type of things will be more valuable for ISVs because they're forced to enforce those models. Um, everyone else, I mean, they they enforce them as, as needed. But. Yeah. Okay, so here's the, the one you were talking about. Set the max uh, maximum depth of chained cubicle jobs. Now, that's GA because they mm-hmm. – um, uh, Bollinger and um, – and uh, Pete, Peterson, Peterson, we're yeah. talking about this at uh, what's it called? T- TDX Trail oh, Blazer. Yeah, TD. Which I think is still is it still TDX Trail Blazer DX? I think it's still TDX. Trail Blazer. You, you could throw a B in there. I'd be I'd, I'd accept that TBDX. It's just actually it's it's like to be determined X. That, that yeah. didn't work. That didn't work. Okay, TDX. It's, <laughs> we're, we've decided that Salesforce. Uh, make a note. We've decided still TDX. Agreed. Okay. So maximum depth. So this is a, like almost like a, a short circuit, like a circuit breaker type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Is that a good? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I've accidentally. You can uh, set a maximum. You can actually, you've accidentally what? I've accidentally blown that one. Yeah. You can set a maximum stack depth. That's when you're doing recursive. What do they call it? Chain. 
is that chained or is it recursive? Are those different? It's chaining. Chaining? Yeah. In this context, it's chaining. So how many times a method or a class executes the chain? So the, so the default limit is five in developer and trial orgs. Oh, it's mm-hmm. overriding the default limit of five in developer. Why do they only mention developer and trial orgs? This feature provides a larger safety mechanism to prevent runaway recursive jobs from consuming the daily async apex limit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you can ensure that. Oh, what? Internet's going slow. Actually, it's just the Salesforce's, their whole help system. I don't even notice this, which include which like the release notes or mm-hmm. anything. Has it gotten worse? Oh, just I thought it was just me. You just click on it's a minimum of three seconds to do anything. Well, uh, mine the the uh, sidebar navigation starts glitching and yeah. and mm. sometimes it won't scroll yeah. or it won't navigate. It just stops click uh, accepting click events. Uh, so you can ensure that duplicate jobs aren't enqueued. So I don't know what I don't know if you could build some kind of signature. Oh, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay. Yeah, so you can build it. Uh, it's up to you. You build your own signature. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a method to generate the signature, but you can build a, sig- a token, basically. A custom one, if you yeah. want. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that's... I can see that being useful. Yeah. Uh, DataWeave is GA. Still haven't used it, but I'm yeah. still very glad it's there. I just I don't think I really... I never used it. Yeah. Um, DataWeave is a nice transformation language. I mean, it's, again... It's... Oh, is data weave declarative? It really is kind of declarative, isn't it? And and for a declarative language, I think it's pretty good. But we know we know how. I, I'd subscribe to the. Uh, oh, who was it? What's the um, who's we talked about it last time? The uh, whose law is it that of declarative languages? It's like remember. yeah, every declarative language eventually devolves into a very bad imperative language or something like that. I don't know. I've, James Ward's always talking about this. That's kind of where I. He, James Ward is also a ranter against declarative languages, hmm. for for good reason. Uh, so again, we talked about this. We now have a comparator, and we also have a um, a collator class. So the collator that that collator collation usually implies we have to know the language and the locale. Like if you're sorting like lexically. It's like, well, what language? Um, and if it's a language with capital letters, do those matter or do those not matter? You know, that's that like collation type mm-hmm. stuff, right? I mean, so that, that's, that's welcomed. I like it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, again, sorely overdue, but yes, very welcome. Uh, there's, I guess, iterables new. So you can uh, custom, uh, you, you can have a, so iterable. So the iterable and iterator, not the same thing. <clears throat> but it looks it looks though. like you can you can implement iteratable. So you can say you can have some custom class mm-hmm. that you would like it to be iterable, iterable, like usable in for loops and different things. Mm-hmm. And as a part of that, you have to provide an iterable class for your thing that returns probably I haven't looked at this yet, but I, that should just have one method which returns an iterator, mm-hmm. which is also an implementation you have to provide. Right. That specifies how you iterate over your this thing that's not new though is it it is new i'm pretty sure i use that you can now easily iterate through lists or sets using an iteratable variable in a for loop i don't know that that's actually a weird description 
And uh, like, did that, is that something that went GA? I could have swore like not even like um, six months ago. I used that. This no, this is in preview. It's in preview. It's not GA. Okay, maybe I didn't. Could have swore I had implement, I had implemented that interface, but it's not. This you're, this is really going to bum you, John. Uh, this is your favorite tool. Um, that's really going to affect your day in a day out life. Full Apex autocomplete in developer console is being retired. Oh no! It's no longer sustainable due to its resource intensity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's probably not worth working on that. I mean, they don't want to invest any money in developer console to make it more efficient. So, start just slowly. Yeah. Uh, what, what what is that built on? It's like ext.js or something. Uh, like it that. is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. Which, to be fair, was was the hotness at the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so here, here's the good Essentia XTJS. Create. Essentia, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Because this is almost ironic. Create data-intensive HTML applications using JavaScript. <laughs> Salesforce, it's too intensive. Can't do it. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. Too intensive. Not so intensive, please. Um, there's a new thing called select. Uh, this is a really great name for a feature. You ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Select who has access to a sandbox. I don't think that's really the name of the feature, but there's, there's no name for it. But basically, you know, when you refresh a sandbox, like the person that refreshed it is the, o- the user that refreshed it is the only user that doesn't get their email address mangled. So that person can actually like reset their password and log into the sandbox and everything. Every other user gets their, their email so their email address mangled with the dot invalid at the end. Oh, okay. But now when you refresh your sandbox with this feature, which is a preview, you can say, oh, but also these three other users, or how many ever you want, I think, don't mangle their email addresses so that they can log in and or reset their password so they can log. And they can get the password mm-hmm. email, the password reset email, so they can actually set a password and log into the sandbox. Okay. I mean, I guess it's fine. I don't don't really have a issue with people getting in the sandbox, but I haven't asked John. Do you, have you do you have you heard of? And this is in the Salesforce context. This is a from the release release notes. Have you heard of Scale Center? No, I haven't. I haven't used it. But this is something I've complained about. You can't do before with Salesforce, but maybe you can, or you have been able to do for a while. Um, this is in preview, but it's deploy scalable apps and analyze system performance with Scale Center. Scale Center provides self-service and near real-time access to performance metrics. Diagnose root causes and act on scale issues earlier in your development cycle. Create analysis reports to troubleshoot errors. Retrieve customized insights and recommendations. I've never heard of this. Term. I mean, that sounds like something good for, for large organizations that, that where their scale and performance and all that stuff really matters. It's not available in government cloud. Is this something that was only available to Hyperforce or something like that at some point? I didn't. Re- I didn't see that. So I know that they had their own kind of analytics tools. There's also a scale. So the next thing on my list is a scale testing service. Gives you a suite of features that includes test environment setup, test execution, and test plan creation. You can access insights insights into scale hotspots, trial runs, test trends, and more. Be confident that your implementation scales and adheres to your performance SLAs. Yeah, I've never heard of this tool. I mean, those they're saying the right words there. I like the words. 
I thought this was something that Shield provided, though. Well, I don't know. May, oh, may, Did maybe they break this off Shield. Maybe it's only accessible if you have Shield. I don't know. It didn't say that though. It doesn't mention Shield on any of the, the doc, any of the thing I'm reading. Salesforce Scale Center. I mean, it's been GA since. Oh, it's oh, it's GA this summer, so it's pretty new. Um, oh. Well, yeah. Well. Available in. Un, it's okay. It's it's comes with unlimited edition or available in unlimited edition. So if you want to, if you want to even be able to measure or care or know about your scale and performance, you have to buy unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, enterprise software, John. But unlimited doesn't mean no limits. Oh no, that's. Don't listen to our words. Because words don't matter in this case. It seemed like some of this tooling was available sh- to Shield. So are, are they saying that this is now just like generally available to unlimited users? Well, it was GA in July. Now, the new features are in preview right now. The new the new features of Scale Center are in preview. Oh, this is built into setup. Okay. Yeah, Shield was weird because it was um, – a lot of the monitoring tooling everything was built on – Wave or whatever Wave is called, uh, Einstein I don't, I don't Analytics or whatever, yeah, whatever it's called nowadays. CRM Analytics? Or, I don't know. <laughs> and don't it was know. funny because you were technically getting access to it, and like, I don't think they had a good way of controlling what you could do with it. So they basically just had it in the contract saying, hey, you're only going to be using this for Shield, right? <laughs> you're getting these Wave licenses, but you're only using them for Shield, right? Um, so, But this looks like it's properly built into the setup. Yeah, so. maybe so. All right, my next thing I pulled out was uh, use color, sorry, use global color styling hooks to match color contrast changes. They just have, um, so the, the non-textual things, all the like little images, buttons, and checkboxes, and all that kind of stuff, now have improved color contrast. It's when I looked at this, and I'm like, I don't see, I don't see much different contrast, but then I noticed, because they showed like what the... F- what the former icon or whatever image was and what the new oh, one yeah, was. I saw that. And, and I was like, oh, they actually look pretty close. But then I noticed just looking at the old ones only, I noticed the problem. Mm-hmm. You'd have different icons for different functions that were the same color. Now, they did, for the ones that didn't change, but they did increase, increase the contrast a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the main difference was they actually just added more colors so that no two things had the same color. It's, it's almost two different. They improved in contrast in, in two different axes there, almost in a way. Yeah, I, I saw that. And I saw the, the higher contrast. And I saw that some of them did change color, which is. It's, it's good. Yeah, um, they did have some issues with some of the other things that they've done in that in regards to this. But yeah, it's it's a it's a tough problem. I have another I have another ask, John. It, this one is. This feature is called Create Custom Elements with Lightning Web Security. So with LWS, you can create custom elements in your Lightning Web Components. Custom elements are a key feature of Web Component Standard and another advantage of LWS over Lightning Locker. And then it says LWS now virtualizes the browser API custom element registry isolating access to your custom elements to your own namespace sandbox. 
This virtual registry enables you to create your own custom elements without interference. I'm just like, I'm already lost. Whatever. Does that make any sense to you? I think if you create an element called text, it won't impact someone else's Uh, uh, custom element called text. Maybe so. Um, you can, but yeah, they have some they have some improvements in that in that area too. The the dynamic uh, dynamic loading of lightning web components is interesting too. Oh yeah, that was I think I had that on here. I'm getting that, I'm getting that. Um, monitor custom component events. Sorry, back up. Monitor component events with the custom component instrumentation API. You can add observability to your lightning web components with the custom component instrumentation API. You can directly monitor and track events or interactions with your LWCs in your org's event monitoring. So previously, event monitoring tools only tracked insights about your application as a whole, like records load and page performance. This is at like your LWC level, mm. which is nice because yeah. performance has kind of always been an issue with LWC and Lightning and Salesforce. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, I thought this was cool. Scan documents with a mobile device using LWC. You can use the Document Scanner API. Now, is that a Salesforce API? That's that's a web standard API, right? Document Scanner. I think use the Document Scanner API to access native device functionality to scan documents and parse their text content. This feature is available in the Salesforce mobile app and the Salesforce field service app. Yeah, could they see that being useful? Yeah. Um, you can download package metadata for a specific package version, which shouldn't be needed that often. But come on, everyone's been in the situation where like, oh, shit, we forgot to tag that release or whatever, mm-hmm. but we need the code for this specific version. Mm. We don't have it. But now you can say, yeah, give me the code for that version. That's nice. Because you know it's there. It's there. They have it. Yeah. <laughs> They're running it. So I won't admit to missing a tag. No, of course there. not. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, and the final thing, this is like a a Jody M thing, but your event relays, eventing I think that I think I don't know, I've never done this, but you can, I think you can bridge your like your Salesforce platform events to um what's AWS's? Is it event bridge? Oh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I think that's the um I think you can, yeah, you can, you can bridge between those two worlds. Salesforce supported that for years now, but I guess not with not if you're on Hyperforce. So now they support if you're on Hyperforce, which makes sense because EventBridge is AWS. So it'd be weird <laughs> that you couldn't. So now you can. But it's in preview. That's true, and you know, nothing's easy. So I get it. All right, that's all my release notes that. Interesting. I didn't really go through the flow stuff because flow just makes my brain hurt. Honestly, flow doesn't flow. It just it just like my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had managed to spend some more time with them. I just kind of did a what I had a moment a quick read of them, but I've been I've been in the middle of a major project, so mm. not much uh, time to spend on thinking stuff. I tried to wear my shirt today. Oh, did you? But the blue one, uh-huh. and I have two. I have a lar- I have an XL and a large. I wore the XL the other day. It was fine. Try to put that large on today. 
Those were those were slimmer fitting. That was a slimmer fitting brand. That cut was way different. The blue was yes, yeah. That was not going to be pretty if I wore that. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put that one back in the closet in the in the section called maybe someday Jeremy can wear these clothes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, we all have that section in our closet, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> I have a section of 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 clothes when I was like working out of the trainer and everything that I just can't get into anymore mm. and. They're there because I'm hopeful I'll get I'll get to them one day. But uh, is it is it better for our mental health just to get rid of those, or is it better for our mental health to keep those as to to keep us motivated and like you know work towards a goal? I don't know. I, don't I do not know. have a good handle on mental health. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I have no good mental this health is, strategy. This is uh, the blind leading the blind here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Putters are like I'm busy. I'm. I'm I mean. What, what? Health-wise, I'm okay. I'm not, like, dying. I don't have any, like, major that's, ailments. That's good to know, John. But, um... <laughs> I guess you'll let us know if, that's, if that changes. I don't... What, what's what's going to motivate me? I don't know. Beer? <laughs> no, that's the problem. In order to get into those pants, oh. I have to give up beer and meat and carbs and <laughs> just, you know... Yeah. Get, get, I mean, you're basically living off chicken. Yeah, and air. And broccoli. You can breathe. You can breathe as much as you want. Yeah. <laughs> black coffee. Yeah. That's true. You have as much black coffee and uh, and air as you want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a good. That's, let's do that diet. You and I, we can, do, we can support each other. The, the black <laughs> coffee and air diet. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's like, I don't have a lot of things I enjoy in my life. My life is pretty simple. I work, I do family mm. stuff, and then I like to have a drink every now and yeah. then. Yeah. You know? Sure, I'd like to be disciplined enough to get up at five in the morning and do a couple of miles around around the park, but uh, yeah, my brain's not there. Um, so we have um, like I was it fifteen people who are interested in doing a meetup at at uh, Dreamforce. That's healthy. So we're kind of working on a a location. I don't think we can really book. Any, I don't know if you can even book anything during Dreamforce. Maybe on the last, maybe at the end of the last day, that might be the best day, actually. What is that, Thursday? Or is it Wednesday? I thought it was Thursday. Maybe it's Thursday. Because yeah, during Dreamforce, I mean, the problem is anything that's not far is going to be completely booked, or it's going to cost 20 grand. Ask me how I know. Actually, don't ask me how I know, because it's depressing. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you'd have to pick something like the last day of Dreamforce, because no one's booking stuff then or it has to be really far. So I don't know. We're still working on a day and location, but <laughs> for people who are going to be at Dreamforce and are interested in doing, uh, you know, having a beer to meet up or whatever, um, we are working on that. So visit the conversations channel in the good day, sir, Slack. And John, for people who are listening, uh, who are not in the good day, sir, Slack, and there are a quite a number of them. How would they get into the Slack? Go to www.gooddayserpodcast.com forward slash community or just click on community and there's a form to sign up. Wow. You're several beers in and nailed it. I did it. That's that's, quite, that's remarkable. I want a cookie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to try to get a batch of stickers out before Dreamforce so everyone can be sporting their stickers and, and uh, defacing all the property in San Francisco with Good Day Sir stickers. So, uh, or maybe you, they could just mug you for it. Yeah, you might have a couple of days in to get a sticker request in for, before Dreamforce uh, if you want to do that. That would be at info at com. 
Now, you just have to send us your shipping address so I can get them to you. And how many stickers you want? Are you taking some with you? I will if I remember, yes. I, I remembered it at TDX. So hopefully I'll remember for Dreamforce. Um, but, yeah. What else, John? That's Wrap this thing up. Is all yeah. you got? Well, hang on. Don't know. Uh, I got to. You're tired. I'm tired too. It's it's a Sunday. Yeah. And it's the end of the day. I didn't sleep. It keeps things casual, though. What's that? Keeps things casual, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You have to worry about, like, uh, someone slacking me or. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it's been, it's been fun, John. Well, it is again. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.